Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. Awesome. Hey, it's great to see you today. And those of you that are watching online, I was just scrolling through and see who all was with us today. We really appreciate you joining us there. Father's House, would you welcome our online church that's with us today? Wow. Pennsylvania, Tennessee, all over Florida. Man, we're so glad that you've joined with us today. We are blessed to be in the house. Starting this brand new series today, Revolutionary Jesus, Rediscovering or discovering for the first time the revolutionary Jesus of who he is. Hey, you know, God is so good to us, isn't he? How many of you really enjoyed those last two teachings with uh, Pastor Tim and Pastor Andrea? Weren't those great teachings? Man, that was just so good. Well, today, if you want to turn with me to the book of Mark, we're going to begin a year-long study of Jesus. Is that all right with you? of discovering Jesus, of who he really is. And we're going to spend all of our time in the gospel. Every year when we start off, uh, we have one word. You know, we've used activate. We've used a lot of other things. But our one word that we're going to use this year is on the back wall. And would you see if you can pronounce the word that's on the back wall? That's our word for the year. What is it? Yeah, Jesus. What a great word for 2022, isn't it? Jesus. He's the word for us. Uh, You know, there's a question that Jesus asked his followers, and he said to them, who do men say I am? I mean, the people that you rub shoulders with, if you were to ask them, who is Jesus? What do you you think they would say? Uh, Just talk to me. What what do you think they would say? People that you rub shoulders with. Who who do you hear people say Jesus is? Jesus is? All right. Yeah. Yeah. Good. 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 In fact, there's a wall out there. I hope you've stopped. This is the only church. Look, we pass out six packs at the Father's house, and we let you write graffiti on the back wall. Is that awesome or what? And it's simply Jesus is. What is Jesus to you? Well, uh, they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elias. Some say this. Some say you're a great teacher. You're a great this. And Jesus said, then, question, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? You know, some of you have been raised in church all of your life. But really, who is Jesus? Do you know him? Do you really know him? Or do you just know about him? So at the beginning of of several, six months ago, the Lord began saying, I want you to spend the year in the Gospels. I don't want you to understand Jesus from Paul's writings or the others, but the Gospels. What is the Gospel? What is the picture? And so we're going to start off with this, with, with the Gospel of Mark. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today. Man, we just sent your presence here. We love you so much. Thank you for everyone that's here and those that are watching online. And I pray that you would um, anoint me today, Holy Spirit, because I can't do anything without you. Holy Spirit, anoint today. Let me say what you want me to say. Bring things to my mind that I haven't even studied. And bring things to our mind as we listen, as we take notes, as we look at the scripture that you would say to us that we could know you, Jesus, better. I think sometimes when people think about Jesus and what he did, they think, well, you know, he came to create a lovely home and garden religion called Christianity, that he was a harmless spiritual leader, 
that he just had lovely actions, inspirational words, and we celebrated, celebrate his memory twice a year, Christmas and Easter. You know, that he just wanted to come and fit in. He just wanted to be nice and to just sort of heal people and give things away. Well, that really is not the picture of Jesus in the Gospels. As we read through the Gospels, he didn't move quietly or in the backgrounds. I mean, look, he couldn't be silenced. He couldn't be packaged. He couldn't be predicted. Think about this. He chased people out of church. He had a soft spot in his heart for crooks and prostitutes. He washed the grime off of a betrayer's feet. He turned a breadbasket into a buffet. He caused dead people to come alive again. He was called a friend of sinners. Oh, that's a revolutionary guy right there. And he chose a staff of the least likely men that you would ever choose. I mean, outside of following Jesus, they would probably fight and argue because they were from polar opposites. My question is, do you know Jesus? Do you know him? If the answer is no, I pray that you will not miss one Sunday of this series, The Revolutionary Jesus, because you need to discover who he is. If you say, yeah, I know who Jesus is, then I'm encouraging you not to miss a Sunday of this because you need to rediscover who he is. You've got so adjusted and so familiar with who you think he is, you're going to really be upset in this series when you see who Jesus really is. He wants us to get ready to make a difference. He's called us to be revolutionaries in this world. He hasn't called us to fit in and not offend anybody and be nice and be kind and never confront anything and never confront sin. Jesus never promises a stormless life. He never said, oh, if you follow me, everything will be good, you know. I'll make you skinny, sexy, and happy. <laughs> no. Jesus said, I've come to serve and not be served. That's the theme verse of, of Mark. You see, Jesus doesn't change what you see in the mirror. He changes how you see in the mirror. So, before we begin into this series, I want to give you some resources that will help you. On our Father's House uh, website, there is a morning devotion that we're going to do for nine days, and you see it on the screen. It's called the Gospel of Mark. And you can scroll down through there, and you can say, I want to be part of that program. And every morning, then we're going to take time for the next nine days to look at this Gospel of Mark. I know there was another one on there previously, but this one outranks that one. And I'm going to tell you, this is really good. So for nine days, we're going to have a devotion, and we're going to read through the entire Gospel of Mark. So uh, I hope that you will do that with us. Second of all, uh, some of you who want to go a little bit farther in your studies... Uh, you may not know it, but here at the Father's House, we have the Father's House College of Biblical Studies. It's fully accredited, and you can get anything from a, uh, a certificate of ministry for 15 credits all the way to a doctorate of theology, a doctorate of sacred studies, a master's of theology degree. So if you'll look at that, because one of the courses that you might want to take is by a guy that you might know, and the course is called uh, NT 550, the Gospel of Mark, 
good news in action by me. I've been teaching this course for a long time. The course is online. We just redid it a year and a half ago, so it's pretty fresh, and I think that you will enjoy it. That's another thing that you can do. The other, one other resource, and then we'll jump into the teaching, I'd like for you to get you a new Bible or a Bible that you haven't put a lot of notes in. Every once in a while, the Lord calls me to get a new Bible and start over with, with reading. Because what I find is that I've got my trusty old Bible in the office that I've got like millions of notes in it, right? So what happens is when I restudy the Gospel of Mark, because I, this, this Gospel of Mark is 10 hours on the college class, and I've taught it all over. I've taught in the Ukraine. I've taught it in, in, in India. I've taught it in England, a lot of places. I have in my library over 250 books on the Gospel of Mark that I've read, that I've studied, that I've tried to digest. And uh, because the Gospel of Mark is sort of like my, my heartbeat, my specialty, because it's quick, it's easy to read, and it's full of action and doesn't have a lot of theology. That's why I like it. If you want theology, you need to go to Matthew and Mark, and, and uh, you need to go to Matthew and Luke and John. But Mark just so boom, 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 boom. See, I, I think if when I was in school, I think they would have probably labeled me with that label they put everybody else on, you know, ADD, whatever it is. And uh, is that it? ADT, I don't know, just bored. I just get bored. That's why I like the Gospel of Mark. You come to my office, my house, I rearrange things, and Anita hates to rearrange. I just like new things. I just like new, right? So, so that's why I like the Gospel of Mark. So I don't know where I was going. Anyway, I do now, remember. Because <laughs> a lot of times when I'm rereading with my old Bible, I'll say, oh, yeah, that's a note I wrote down. That, that, yeah, that was good. That, that, that was good. And then I just think, well, I've already studied this. I already know. But when I start with a fresh Bible with no notes in it, and I'm reading and I'm saying, God, as, as Andrea prayed a minute ago, Lord, just give me a, a blank sheet. Let me study the gospel of Mark. Let me rediscover Jesus. Uh, let me, I, th I think I know him, but let me rediscover him. And so then I started writing new notes. So, so that's what I've been doing. It's a little bigger Bible than what I like, but it gives me more space to write notes, okay? So that's just some, some helps there, some resources. So let me give you an introduction to Mark. Mark is the first of the Gospels that would have been written. Most theologians believe that both Matthew and Luke use part of Mark in theirs. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels, which means they see together. Uh, they have different uh, emphasis in where they are. And uh, so instead of getting into a lot of detail, Mark just jumps over quickly, 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 quickly. One of the words that you'll see, especially if you use the New King James, you'll see, or the King James, you'll see the word immediately, immediately, immediately. In fact, over 40 times in the Gospel of Mark. So as you're reading through this week, underline every time you see the word immediately or quickly in some of the other translations. It's the, it's the Greek word euthos, which means straightway quickly. So what, what Mark does... He, he, he sets us a bunch of scenes. He says, this is what happened, this is what happened, this is what happened, this is what happened. He doesn't move in chronological order. He moves in geographical order. Half of the Gospel of Mark has to do with Jesus laying down his life for us and the suffering that he went through. It covers three geographical areas. And so today, we want to look at the beginning of that, the preparation of Jesus. Prepared for purpose. Say, prepared for purpose. Prepared. 
That's what some of you are being right now. That's where you are. You're being prepared for a purpose, something bigger than you've ever thought in your mind. So if you're ready, if you have your Bible, you have your app, whatever you have, or if you don't, you can use your eyeballs on the screen, okay? And I want to take time to read the first 14 verses of this blessed gospel of Mark. The beginning of the gospel. Gospel means what? Good news. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, and then Mark says, I just want to tell you who he is first of all. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, as it is written in the Old Testament, behold, I send my messenger before your face. This is God speaking. I'm going to send my messenger, and he's going to prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Underline every time you see the wilderness in this passage today. Make the path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness, there it is, and preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. Then all of the land of Judea and from Jerusalem went out from him and were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. It was a long distance from Jerusalem, a long distance from Judea to get to the wilderness. Historians say, get ready for this, buckle up, John the Baptist baptized for a long time. It's estimated that he baptized in water over 300,000 people. 300,000 people following after him. It was, it's like a new thing. Like, hey, have you heard what's going on out in the wilderness? There's this guy with camel clothes, and he's eating wild honey and locusts. And, man, he, he preaches something different than I've ever heard before. No social media, nothing ever else. But, you see, when God gets ready to do something, he can supernaturally begin to draw like a magnet, begin to draw people to a specific place for what he's getting ready to do in their life life for the next phase. That's like you. Some of you are here today and God has brought you here because he wants to say something fresh and new to you. You thought, what should I do today? And all of a sudden, I think I'll go to church today. No, it just wasn't one of those things. God wanted you here today because he wants to say something to you. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair and leather and belt around his waist and uh, he had tattoos and he, wore, he ate locusts and wild honey. Sorry, just wanted to wake you up. And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who's mightier than I, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to unloose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he shall baptize you with what? Holy Spirit. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee. Underline that word Nazareth because we've got to go back and look at that. And he was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately, there it is again, coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens parting, the Spirit descending upon him like a dove, then a voice came from heaven. Read it with me. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Would you read that again? You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Immediately, the spirit drove him in the wilderness. Not the enemy. The spirit drove him in the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness again, 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beast, and the angels ministered to him. Now, after John was put in prison. That's actually a year. Mark skips a year of Jesus' ministry. You have to catch that in John chapter uh, 2 and 3. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, read it with me, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So the first thing we see here is that we see a preparation for purpose. 
preparation for a purpose. Uh, here's what I really believe. It's on the screen. Look at this. When God has a great purpose for your life, it will always include a season of preparation in obscurity that often includes a testing in the wilderness. Uh, look at that. When God has a great purpose for your life, and I believe everybody here today, God has got a great purpose for your life. It'll always include a season of preparation in obscurity. Nobody will know that you're being prepared for that. I mean, you hardly even know that you're being prepared. You just got a feeling that something, something is supposed to happen with your life. And it often not only includes obscurity, but it includes a testing in the wilderness. Now, we see that in Jesus' life. I mean, for 30 years, he's in obscurity in Nazareth. I mean, you'd think if, if the king of kings is coming and he's the Messiah, he's going to be raised in Jerusalem, the center of everything Jewish, right? I mean, you know, rub shoulders with people. Let people know who you are. Tell people, you know, run your TikTok, your social media, whatever you do. I don't know. Make sure everybody knows who you are. But he's not there, and he's not in Rome, the epicenter of the world at that time, where everybody, whoever was, whoever is important, would come from Rome. But he's in Nazareth. Like 500 people lived in Nazareth. It was an, it was an, a no-name town. It was such a place that when Nathaniel heard that Jesus, supposed to be the Messiah, came from Nazareth, Nathaniel said. Can anything good ever come from Nazareth? I mean, who ever heard, who ever heard of anything good coming from Nazareth? Maybe we should change that. Can anything good come out of, and you fill in the blank. Can anything good come out of this pandemic? Can anything good come out of your messy divorce? Can anything good come out of the sickness that you've been struggling with? Can anything good come out of the death of a loved one that you experienced this year? Can anything good come out of the financial crisis that you're in? Can anything good come from all of the emotional things that have heaped on you and heaped on you and heaped on you? And you stand in the midst of that and sing, I don't think anything good can come out of this. But listen, listen to me. Can anything good come out of that? Yes, if Jesus is in your Nazareth, something good can come out of that. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand clap. So for 30 years, he's not teaching, he's not preaching, he's not doing miracles. He's working with wood. Maybe hits his head, that finger with the mallet and says, thank you, God. Maybe he gets splinters. You ever think, I was thinking about that this week. Jesus, who in Genesis chapter 1 helped speak the world into existence and trees that grew, is now taking one of those trees and he's making something out of those trees. How do you think that made him feel as he's in the midst of all of that? But he's in obscurity. You see, in obscurity, when nobody knows your name, when nobody knows what you're going to do, when nobody knows what God has planned for you, that's the place that you receive the affirmation that you know who you are. You see, if you're looking for the world to give you affirmation, you're always going to constantly struggle. So 
he faithfully, he faithfully finished the years of obscurity. So many people today, though, they're not willing to finish the years of obscurity. Well, you, if you only knew who I was, if you only knew how much I, brilliance I am, then you would use me or somebody else. And so you see on social media, I've done this and I've done that and I've done this and I've got 20,000 followers. And when I say something, I have 1,000 people coming back to me. You see people always self-promoting, self-promoting, self-promoting. But Jesus was not self-promoting. People that are used greatly of God learn a principle. If you self-promote yourself, you have to constantly self-promote yourself. But if you let the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, promote you. You don't have to go around and trying to prop yourself up, right? And you've seen those people, you know them, and you feel embarrassed for them. Why don't they quit that? Why don't they quit telling everybody how good they are? And why don't they let God lift them up and to use them? So Jesus finished his time in obscurity, and he goes into the wilderness in a place of troubles and difficulties. He's in preparation. I wonder. How many of you this morning feel like maybe that you're in a preparation season? Yeah, look at the hands going up. Didn't even ask for it, but look at the hands going up. Go ahead, lift your hand up. You feel like you're in a preparation. Maybe a season of obscurity, or maybe you're in a wilderness. So what do you do in this, right? I mean, that's the question. What do you do? And I read this, what do you do if there's a season of obscurity and a season of testing in the wilderness? And here it is, number one. I think this is it in your notes. What do we do? We embrace the season. We embrace the season, realizing that God uses these times to make us who he wants us to be. And a lot of times, what do we do when we find ourselves in obscurity? I rebuke this season. I rebuke this time. I was made for greatness. People need me. The world needs me. I need a new job. I need to do this. Someone in between services said to me, wow, that sermon really spoke to me today because I've recently had a job open to me in a managerial position that I never really sought after. I really didn't even want, but I really felt like it's what God had been preparing me for, and I didn't even realize he's been preparing me for that. I'm here to tell you, God's got something rolling through your veins, and we need to embrace. Embrace the time of quietness when nobody knows your name, when nobody's calling you to preach, when nobody's asking you to teach, when nobody's asking you to sing, when nobody's asking you for a job promotion. Embrace the season you're in if you know that's a season that God has put you there, all right? Embrace that. Don't rebuke it. Verse 9 and 11 says, and it came to pass, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens parting, the spirit descending upon him like a dove, then a voice from heaven, you're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. In obscurity, we learn who we really are. We know our position, that God put us here. Jesus came, and he was baptized by John. He, didn't, he knew no sin, so he didn't have to be baptized because he was a sinner. But he was baptized because he wanted to identify with John the Baptist's ministry, and he wanted, to, he wanted to identify with what you and I should do. People say, should I be baptized? Well, was Jesus baptized? Yes. Was he sprinkled? No. Baptizo is a word here. He was put under the water, and he was held there for a while, at least till he got wet, right? And then when he came up out of the water, when he came up out of the water, he looked up, and the heavens were open, and he saw into the heavenly realm. He saw into the heavenly realm, and then he heard a voice from heaven say, what? You're my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Well pleased? 
Well, he hasn't done a miracle. He hasn't preached one sermon. He hasn't, he hasn't done any of that. But God says, I want you to know I'm well pleased with you. A few weeks ago, I was having uh, coffee with a friend of mine, Howie, and uh, Howie asked me, he said, who are you really? I said, um, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. He said, no, you're not. I said, well, since you know everything, who am I? You know, tell me who I am. He says, you see, if you're a follower of Christ, then you think that as you follow him and please him, that he loves you. He said, I'll tell you who you are. You are the beloved son of God who's pleased with you, whether you do good or whether you do bad. You see, what happens with us? We think, okay, I'm going I'm to serve God, and if everything goes good and I do good, then I'm thinking, oh, man, God's pleased with me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for loving me, for carrying me. But then if we have a crappy day or a crappy week or we slip up, we say, oh, man, I know God's not pleased. I, I, I know why. Well, because I, did, I, I didn't teach that right, or I, I didn't sing that right, or I, I didn't say that right. Folks, here's the thing that will set us free when we realize while you were yet a sinner, God loved you. God doesn't love you any more now than he did when you were a sinner. God doesn't love you any more now than when you were a sinner. And he says to us today, my pleasure in you is not how you perform. My pleasure is you. I created you. I made you in my likeness and for a purpose. And would you just relax and let him be pleased with you? Wow. Uh, you see, this phrase here in the Greek is in the constitutive aorist, which means I'm always, I always have pleasure in my son. Some cultists, some cults use this verse to say, on that day, Jesus, who was a man, became the son of God. And they use it just like they say, you, you are a man, you are a woman, but you come to the place where God singles you out, and then you become a child of God, a son of God. No. When you look at this in the constitutive aorist, it says, I was pleased with you from the beginning and I am pleased with you now, and I will be pleased with you forever. It wasn't what he was doing. It was what, who he was. And God loves you for who you are this morning. You say, well, you know, if I just didn't have the past that I have, you know, I would step into this realm, or I would do something else. No, it has nothing to do with your past. It has to do with how much that he loves you, and he loves you, and he's pleased with you today. So my question is, is there a feeling inside of you that maybe you were made for more? Just maybe you were made for more. You see, in the season of obscurity and the temptation in the wilderness is where we allow God to develop us and to form us. Remember it says in the Old Testament, it talks about that God is, 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 is a potter and he puts us on the clay you see, obscurity and the wilderness are what God prepares you for what he's prepared for you. He prepares you for what he has prepared for you. In the Old Testament, it says that God took, uh, the, the potter took the clay, put it on the potter's wheel, and he began to make something out of it. You see, in obscurity and in the wilderness, 
God puts the right amount of pressure on us to get rid of the places that are not smooth, the places that are imperfect. He touches the places where we're unhealed so that we can be healed so that when we're in the limelight, we don't crack. See, there are a lot of people who jumped out of the preparation time on their own, and they've wowed the world with their giftings. But somewhere along the line, did you see it? Another person fell. See it? Another great leader fell. Why? Because they never let God successfully bring them through the preparation of obscurity in the wilderness. I don't know about you, but I would rather finish strong than start off fast, right? I want to finish strong. How about you? I want to finish strong. To be hidden, listen to this, to be hidden while being perfected is the definition of grace. To be hidden while being perfected is a definition of grace. Mm. In 3.5 years, Jesus changed the world as a result of 30 years in obscurity and overcoming in the wilderness. So let me give you seven tips for managing this season if you're in this season. I'm not going to take a long time, so you might want to take a camera shot of this. Relax. You're not the only one going through this season, right? We've already seen the hands. Stop fighting the process and surrender. Stop fighting the process and surrender. Complaining elongates the process. Oh, if God would only get me out of this season, God, get me out of this season. Capitalize on the solitude. Pray and listen. Let God show you your heart and heal your heart. Study for where you're going. Wait for the green light then go. So number one, embrace the season. Number two, be obedient in the wilderness. Immediately, Jesus was, Scripture says, the Spirit drove him in the wilderness. Not the devil, the Spirit drove him in the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. He was with wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. Look, he leaves the boring place of obscurity. I mean, obscurity is a boring place. It's the same thing over and over and over. You get up, go to work, get up, go to work, get up, go to work, come home, get up, same place. But now, he's beyond the normalness. He's coming into a place of the wilderness testing. And in the wilderness, it says that he spent 40 days, that's a month and 10 days, slugging it out with the devil. Said there were wild animals there. It could have been literally that there were wild animals, or many theologians believe that what Mark was saying there, the wild animals were the wild demons that were part of Satan's host. So what you find here for 40 days, and, and uh, you, you find that when the word tempted there is in the present tense participle, you say, why is that important? Because it means it's continuous action. It wasn't just three questions that Jesus wrestled with. It was constantly for a, for a month and 10 days, toe to toe, he was tempted. He was challenged with everything that he had. Now, Scripture says, as we look at this, we know that enemy is there, and he's tempting Jesus, and the demons are there with the enemy. I heard somebody preach this sermon um, several weeks ago as I was listening, and they said, after Jesus overcame the temptation, then God sent the angels. But that's not true. 
The word there that you see where the angels ministered to him, again, is in the imperfect tense, which indicates a continuous action. In other words, all during the temptation, the angels were ministering to Jesus while the demons were forcing on Satan. So you see this toe-to-toe, nose-to-nose, eye-to-eye. Remember the first Adam faced the fallen angel Satan, and what did he do? He failed. In a perfect environment, he failed. But here, as Paul says, is the second Adam, or the last Adam, and he's facing that same fallen angel. But this time, Jesus doesn't fail, but he overcomes. He stands toe-to-toe, eye-to-eye, and he goes through every temptation that you and I would ever face, and he came out victorious. Wow. Now, let me just upset your apple cart a little bit, because Jesus said, in every way you've been tempted. So let me ask you this. Could Jesus have considered teaming up with Satan? Could have Jesus considered becoming a dictator instead of a savior? Maybe he didn't eat the bread. Did Jesus stop at the bakery long enough to smell the bread? See, we paint this picture that he didn't have any difficulty in the temptation. But just as you're standing right now, eyeball to eyeball with things that are tempting you, trying to pull you astray, Jesus understands the same feelings of how easy it would be to just give in and to give up and fail. Romans 5 and 18 says, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. So here, where are you being tempted? What is God waiting for you to overcome? I mean, some of you right now, you've been in the, in the wilderness of temptation. You just, you know without a shadow of doubt that God's got something great for you. He wants to use you. And, and you say it, and you talk about it, you all of that. But you're facing face-to-face an area of temptation that you think nobody else has ever gone through anything like this. And you keep falling, and you keep failing, and you keep falling, and you keep failing. And you get to the place that you say, I guess God's never going to use me. You pull away from church. I think it's so interesting that people, please pray, I need a job, I need a job, I need a job, I need a job. So we pray, you get a job. Hey, I missed you at church, where are you? Well, you know, I'm working five days a week, and Sunday I just need to kick back. Pray, oh, I need help, please help me, I want to get my life straightened out, you know, someday I want to be married, I want to be happy, I want to be successful. So we say, hey, this is what you need to do, and the next thing you know, you know. It amazes me that people can have time for everything else they want for themselves. Don't doubt in the wilderness what God said to you in the water. When you were coming up out of the water and God said, you're my beloved son, don't doubt in the wilderness what God said in the water. So where are you now? Do you find yourself in the midst of some God-appointed wilderness struggling? Now, I know some of the wildernesses that we go through are our own own wildernesses. If you keep struggling with the same thing over and over and over and giving in, don't blame God that he put you in that wilderness. 
That's because of you. That's because of you. You're failing in that area. But you know what? Even in that wilderness, you're going to find Jesus who will come to you and say, I know what it's like. I know what it's like. Today's a different day. Today's a different day. Do you feel alone? Do you feel abandoned there? Jesus knows how you feel. I know how you feel. I've been in the wilderness. I've lived in the wilderness. I know what it means to feel alone. I know what it means to feel discouraged. But I also know and have come to understand that in the wilderness, you'll still find the glorious presence of God. Wow. Wow. What's the answer? Jesus. Hey, I want to give you a gift this morning. Number three in your notes is activate your purpose. But I want to give you a gift. It's a little bracelet that Anita and Lisa and some design. I, I really like it. We call it our Jesus bracelet. So just reach in that, in that bucket and take out one. And on one side it says, Jesus, Jesus. On the other side, if you're wearing blue like I've got on today, I switched it from black to blue. It says, Holy One, Jehovah, Almighty, Savior, Redeemed, Almighty, Holy One. And uh, you can wear this every day. Now, if it's a little tight on your wrist, guys, put it around a cup for a while and it'll loosen up. Mine was tight at first. But I want this to be a constant reminder to you that Jesus is with you where you are. Wherever you are, he's with you. Scripture says, verse 14, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the good news of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. See, you don't have to go searching for the kingdom. Jesus brings the kingdom to us. Now, before we rush out today, I want to give you a promise to claim. This is a powerful verse, powerful verse to claim. And it's uh, 1 Peter 5, verses 10 and 11. Would you actually read it with me? And then, after your brief suffering, actually we could say it, after your brief season in obscurity and the wilderness, the God of all loving grace, read it with me, who has called you to share in his eternal glory in Christ will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. Yes, he will set you firmly in a place and build you up. And he has the power needed to do this forever. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for today for starting with us on this journey of discovering and rediscovering who you really are, Jesus. And I know today that you've spoken to hearts and reminded them that they were made for something bigger than where they are now. And Lord, I know you've reminded us today that sometimes we're in a season of obscurity followed by a season of test after test after test. But you're not alone. Just as I've got this bracelet on that has your name, I know that your name is on my heart. And every temptation I face, you help me to overcome. I pray for the ones that are here today that are in a wilderness of their own making. Bad decisions, bad decisions, bad decisions. 
Lord, would you help them to re-surrender their life to you today? As you continue praying today, let me ask a question. If you're here today and you've never invited Jesus into your heart and into your life, let me remind you that he loves you so very much that he came to this world and he lived a sinless life. And he died on a cross for your sins and my sins. Placed him in a borrowed tomb and on the third day he rose from that tomb as a sign of also he wants to take us and let us rise from our death into life. And if you're here today and you've never invited him into your heart, you don't know for sure where you would spend eternity. Would you allow me to pray with you today if you're in the house or if you're online? I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you feel bad. But I'm going to help you to feel better because Jesus has a purpose for you. He wants to forgive you of your sins. He wants to give you the hope of an eternity with him. And he wants to give you a purpose for living today. Purpose for living today. Some of you have gone away from the purpose that he had for you. You just got adjusted to this world. Just figured you'd just stay in that place and never do anything for him. But today I want to pray for you. If that's you, you say, Terry, today I want to invite the Lord into my heart or rededicate my life to him. Rededicate my life to the purpose that he has for me. Would you just simply just raise your hand and make eye contact with me? Thank you. Thank you. Others today. Others today. Thank you. Thank you. Others today. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Those of you that are online. Yes, thank you, ma'am, here in the middle. Thank you. Those of you that are online. Others today, raise your hand with these who have raised their hand. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Pray this prayer with me today. Father God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for my sins. I ask you to forgive me of all the sins in my life. May they be covered by your blood. As much as I know how, I want to follow you all the days of my life. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to be an overcomer and fulfill my purpose in your name, Jesus. Church, would you celebrate with me those who prayed that prayer? We're going to sing a little bit more of a song, but before we do, the connection card that you have, what's the next step that God has for you? Maybe for some of you, would write on the back, I want to fulfill my purpose. Those of you who prayed that prayer today and surrendered your heart to the Lord, would you take that connection card out to the next steps table? We have a gift that we want to give you. Hey, if you're new today and you're a guest with us, take your connection card out to the new here table. I have a coffee cup I want to give you. Would you stand with me? Thank you for coming today. Be sure to invite somebody next week. Do the morning devotion. Let's reread this Gospel of Mark and discover who God is for us individually. Let's worship in a little more in this song. It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.